Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey everyone, I'm about to spend the next like six minutes and 45 seconds talking about the Johnny Depp trial. Um, I don't really like get into any of the graphic details, but I am talking about like sexual assault and physical assault and domestic violence. So if you don't want to hear about that, skip forward to around seven minutes. Hey, hey everyone. Long time, no chat. Which feels weird to say because I've actually, since last time I did Feathers in My Hair, I'm pretty sure I've recorded like... <laughs> <laughs> three to four podcasts on the patreon um so sometimes i'm like I, it's just weird when i take a week off feathers my hair and it's like oh i haven't done this in so long but i essentially never take weeks off the patreon because people pay for it <laughs> so yeah if you want to listen to my patreon go to patreon.com slash liz explains um i uploaded two episodes this week the first one was just like a regular episode i talked about uh, the Miami Girl drama in Vanderpump Rules season three, which was super fun because I love early Vanderpump Rules. I just love, I love it. Um, it's kind of wild how down downhill it's gone. But I also uploaded a off the cuff rant about um, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, which <laughs> is kind of like driving me over the edge this week. Um, I really need to like disengage from it, but it's really hard to. I did though, like I posted a, something on my story for like my personal Instagram page and somebody that I like worked with many years ago sent me this long thing about how I was wrong. And instead of going the fuck off on him, um, I deleted it. <laughs> I just deleted his response. I thought, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Because I fucking hate when people correct me about things that I am 100% right about and know way more than they do about. Because when I read the fucking message they send me, I'm like, this is full of inaccurate information because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, Johnny Depp is a fucking monster. I want to make that clear that this podcast, Feathers in My Hair, Liz Explains It All, all of my social media... Um, is a podcast that supports domestic violence victims. Uh, this is a podcast that supports victims of sexual assault. This is not a podcast that steps back and goes, well, maybe they're both bad. Maybe they're both toxic. You guys know I hate a fence-sitting bitch. And um, Amber Heard is full stop a victim of Johnny Depp. He is a rapist. He is a monster. And I am living in the upside down world with this trial coverage. Um, the hate that Amber Heard has gotten based on literal propaganda uh, pushed by actual Russian bot farms on Johnny Depp's side is just incredible. Um, if you want to hear more about the case, like, I hate being like, come to my Patreon and pay for me because that's gross. Like, this is a really serious domestic violence issue, but Feathers in My Hair just isn't the platform where I'm going to do a whole episode on this. So if you're interested in hearing that, I did talk about it on my Patreon. Um, if you don't want to subscribe to Patreon, you can follow me on Twitter at BentleyLiz2, where I'm kind of obsessively talking about this. <laughs> the other really good sources for um, non-biased towards Johnny Depp sites are, oh no, they didn't, uh, the Dumois subreddit, randomly enough. And then there's a subreddit called Celebrity Breakups. Those are essentially like the three places on the internet that are doing accurate coverage of this trial there's an uh an instagram influencer named hold on i'm gonna 
plug her name correctly because she's one of the only ones doing it's clementine underscore ford i think she's australian but clementine underscore ford is posting accurate trial coverage i just really want to um, if this is something that you can handle, because it's like super, super, super triggering and upsetting, um, I suggest like if you have only been seeing headlines and you think that Amber Heard is evil and making this all up and you think that Johnny Depp is somehow a victim, it's very understandable based on like the headlines that the media is pushing and the TikTok content and the YouTube content and all of that bullshit. Um, but I really encourage you to like take the time and look into the case and look into the fact that Amber Heard has been telling the same story for six years, that she was brutally raped by Johnny Depp for many years. Um, and just ha- he beat the shit out of her and uh, she w- did hit him back. It's called reactive abuse. There is no such thing as mutual abuse and domestic violence. And he is going to lose this defamation case um, and this actual entire trial is him abusing her further. So I just want to say that um, I wasn't sure if I was like going to talk about it on here, but it's just like been the thing that's on my mind, you know, and it's like been really I I truly feel like I'm living in the upside down world where I live in a society <laughs> where people would rather believe that a woman has been gone girl style sociopathing her way through this relationship with Johnny Depp for the last 10 years instead of believing that a known violent man with a raging substance abuse problem is abusing his wife. Like, that's what it comes down to, like, statistic probability. And it's just really upsetting for me. And by the way, like, if you are pro Johnny Depp and you want to come into my comments or my (laughs) DMs trying to correct me, I'll just block you. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is such a zero tolerance issue for me. Like, I... First of all, probably know more about the case than you do because I have been following this for quite a long time and now like really, really closely following it. I've spent tens of hours uh, reading documentation, reading court documents, looking at evidence. Like, So there's a really, really good chance I know more than you anyway because this has become like a hyper focus of mine and it's probably not a hyper focus of yours if you're a Johnny Depp fan. Um, And if you are somebody that can listen to a a person get on a witness stand and talk about being brutally raped for quite a long time and you call them a liar, I just don't, I'm just not interested in hearing anything from you. So I'll block you. Just full, full warning. Um, But I do think it's important to touch on this because I think that people who are survivors of domestic violence um, have had a really, really trying couple of weeks with this in the headlines oh and especially don't come into my uh dms and say that you're a victim of domestic violence and that's why you believe johnny depp (laughs) especially don't want to hear that and you don't want to hear the response that i'm going to give you so yeah um let me go back in and edit a trigger warning (laughs) okay should we talk about the other fun thing going on in the news i have some shocking news for you all along with being somebody (laughs) that uh to my last breath, will support victims of domestic violence. I have I have some shocking news for you all. You ready to hear this? Guys, I'm pro-abortion. <laughs> I know. You're all shocked. All the listeners of Feathers in My Hair are truly shocked by this information. I know I've always presented a real pro-life attitude on here. <laughs> Could you imagine if I was just like got hit in the head and was like, oh, by the way... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't support murdering babies anymore. Um, I know I've talked about this on the podcast that I consider myself to be pro-abortion. Um, I mean, yeah, that technically is pro-choice. And in cer- certain circumstances, I will use the phrase pro-choice. But I kind of like on purpose, and I would say like as a, a political action, I guess. I don't think political action is the correct word. But like, this is a very purposeful language that I'm using. Like I have made a choice to use the language of pro-abortion because that's what I am. Uh, Abortion is a morally neutral medical procedure. And as far as I'm concerned, I am as pro-abortion as I am any other healthcare that is needed for anybody. I'm pro getting cancer treatments. I'm pro- um, I don't know. I truly can't think of another (laughs) medical treatment off the top of my head. I'm pro-insulin. Like, just like I'm pro any other person getting the health care that they need, I am pro-abortion. I do not need to say that I'm pro-choice because being pro-abortion isn't, like, it doesn't mean that I'm forcing people to get abortions. (laughs) Like, uh, we just don't use that language because it's off-putting. And I personally don't feel like I need to sanitize my language in order to appease people that are squeamish about abortion because I have been fed propaganda their entire lives uh, that it's a sin. And I don't even mean for like people that call themselves pro-life. Like I think this permeates in the pro-choice community as well. I've seen many posts this week where it's like nobody is pro-abortion. They're pro-choice. And it's like, well, speak for your fucking self. What do you mean? I'm pro-abortion. Why wouldn't I be? I think anybody that wants an abortion for any reason should be able to get one and the government should pay for it. The government should be paying for all health care, just like they should be paying for all health care. Um, so, yeah, I am pro-abortion, which obviously means I'm pro-choice, but I'm using a particular language. And if this resonates with you, I really encourage you to also use this language. Um, I think that it I think that it's important. I mean, I don't think you need to walk around screaming like, I'm pro-abortion. But when you see people that are supportive of upholding Roe v. Wade saying things like being pro-choice is not pro-abortion and you're comfortable with them, like, I would suggest pushing back a little bit and ask why it doesn't mean that. Like, why doesn't it mean that? What do you mean when you say nobody's pro-abortion? I want to know what they mean because are they saying that somebody that's pro-abortion is like, pro-forcing people to get abortions? Because that's obviously not right. And I think what they usually mean is that being pro-abortion would imply that abortions are an inherently hard and devastating decision for all women. And that's just factually not true. It is factually not true. Many, many women get abortions because they don't want to be pregnant. And it's not a hard decision, and it's not something they grieve. And in fact, studies show that uh, they actually feel relief after the fact. So there's that. <laughs> so if somebody who is pro-choice is kind of uh, spreading that message and you feel comfortable talking to them, I would suggest pushing back. And then when they say, well, it, it means that like abortions are hard and nobody wants to get an abortion, I would suggest pushing back and saying, well, why not? Why doesn't anyone want to get an abortion? Like, Why? If they're pregnant and they don't want to be pregnant, why wouldn't they want to get an abortion? So just pushing back um, that we should stop using this like absolute language of like nobody is this because it's just not true. And I'm here. I'm talking about this because (laughs) why am I talking about this? Because obviously it's like one of the things I'm most passionate about in my entire life. 
um, reproductive justice rights. I have always been very, very passionate about this. And I think I always will be very, very passionate about this. And I want to talk about what some of the teen moms have posted. Because what do I love more than a teen mom getting political? Um, I don't have like that many posts. I will say Caitlin posted a her body, her choice type of sentiment, which is good. Um, That's good. We know Caitlin in the last few years has become quite liberal. Here's the thing. And I think this is a legitimate criticism. I want to talk about this a little bit because I saw it on Reddit. I was like, wow, that's actually a really interesting conversation that I'm ready to have. And like the fun thing about feathers in my hair is that when I'm ready to have a conversation, I get to get on this mic and monologue it. I don't have to have the conversation with anyone. I get to just talk. But Caitlin and Tyler do have, I don't want to use the phrase blood on their phrase blood on their hands. <laughs> that feels like a lot. Um, but they do have atoning to do, in my opinion, because they were ardent pro-lifers and they weren't just tweeting about being pro-life right like that would still be really shitty that would still be really shitty but they really they went on pro-life speaking tours with bethany christian services their adoption place which is like you know known for human trafficking bethany christian services i know we've talked about this but if you're curious look into bethany christian services and their role in um displacing migrant children. <laughs> look in, look into that. It's really horrific. But they were paid to spread a pro-life message. And I I I know I saw somebody on Reddit being like you guys are being hypocrites if it was Chelsea that did this, you would never forgive her. And you know what? Call me out because I'm fuck you're fucking right. Like at me. At me because I am really weirdly sympathetic to Caitlyn in a way that I'm not totally sure why she has become the person that I'm like so fucking defensive of when it comes to the cast of Teen Mom, but she is. <laughs> like I'm so biased with this. So yes, that person that said that, like, yes, I, I completely agree with you. But what do I always say, guys, like, I'm nothing if not a hypocrite. Um, I feel like Caitlyn and Tyler are two, were two uneducated children who were put in a really bad position and a really bad situation by their families. Um, They made this choice of adoption. And I use the word choice very much in quotation marks because is adoption a choice if the only, if the main reason that you're giving up a child is because you can't afford to raise them? And knowing that Brandon and Teresa probably paid upwards of 20000 or more dollars to Bethany Christian Services, um, Caitlin and Tyler got no money. And I'm not saying you should get money because <laughs> it's like selling your baby. But the idea that people are paying twenty dollars to $40,000 to get a baby from somebody who would be keeping their baby if they a lot of like they've done studies that show that most people like give their baby up for adoption. If they just had $5,000 more, they would have kept their baby. Um, so knowing that like people are paying five times that or more to adopt the baby. It's tough. So, but whatever, we'll call it the choice of adoption, right? It's a corrosive, corrosive, coercive choice. Uh, I don't, I think it's made under distress in many cases, their choice, especially the Brandon and Teresa and all with them like waiting in the hospital. It's really inappropriate, but they made the choice. Okay. Uh, And then they, I think were devastated 
by that, right? Like they were really, really devastated by that. And I think that they really were clinging on to like this pro-life idea. I think that it may, I think one, it made them feel morally superior, right? And I think that's the case for a lot of people who are pro-life, but especially I would imagine um, a kind of dumb teenager, sorry to say, that made a decision that she's like deeply unhappy with, but she kind of has to like cling to this idea that she did the right thing. And I kind of I can see how like pro-life mentality would like be really easy to infiltrate that. I also think that like uh, Tyler's mom is pro-life. So I think it's just like their influences and then Bethany Christian Services like saw the attention that Caitlin and Tyler were getting and we're like, hey, teen mom's off the air. Like you're not making any money, but like we could pay you to go on these speaking tours. And I just think if Caitlin and Tyler had some more self-awareness that they could actually like really probably give a pretty interesting perspective for what it's like to be a poor, undereducated teen that gave their child up for adoption that that becomes like the face of the pro-life movement in their area like I think I think that if I could get Caitlin and Tyler in a room and ask them the correct questions <laughs> we could really get there um I think they won't do this publicly for a million reasons one I think that like I genuinely am not sure that they realize this happened to them um we know that they're still very close at dawn who still works for bethany christian services so i'm sure they don't want to air out dawn and bethany christian services but i kind of feel like if i could get them in a room by themselves and like we could have a conversation that was off record i feel like i could walk them to this like or at least like get them to kind of reflect on it i don't think anybody has ever really challenged them on this i guess is what i'm saying So when we talk about Caitlyn and Tyler and, like, their disgusting pro-life rhetoric from, I mean, 10-ish years ago at this point, like, it is gross. Like, the things that they said are reprehensible. The tweets were so gross. The fact that they were getting paid to do this is so bad. Um, But I will say it's, like, easier for me to forgive them because they were so exploited than it would be for somebody like Chelsea, who had all of the resources in the world, right, at her disposal. Like, so with all of that said, though, I do think that Caitlin and Tyler should come out or whatever. Tyler, I don't fucking know. I don't know if he posted anything in support of this. I'll say Caitlin should come out and formally denounce what she said or at least talk about, like, why she was pro-life and why now she's not and like what led to this change and I know that's expecting a lot of Caitlin because I'm just not sure she has the depth (laughs) this is kind of like the classic problem right where I'm like I just want this person to do this and then like when I really think about it I'm like they don't have the fucking depth to be able to do that and that's on me for expecting it from them but I would like to see Caitlin do that I really would um I'm glad to see her publicly support uh the right to an abortion, but I really wish that she would, like, speak on her past sentiments. I think that would be really powerful. I think that people that were formerly pro-life, which is really not a real term, like, it doesn't mean anything. It's It's a propaganda term, truly. It was coined and pushed by the Christian right with a very purposeful idea behind it. Um, it is anti-choice. It is anti-abortion. Um, I would like to hear her talk about that and how she went from there to where she is now. And I think it'd be really interesting if the right person was asking her these things. And 
by that I mean if I, Liz Bentley, because I am the right person to do this. <laughs> That's my job, you know, uh, getting people who used to be pro-life, like interviewing them. But I do think I wouldn't be surprised if somebody could like get the information out of her that becoming more educated, being more exposed to the world, like in a larger way, uh, getting more money, like a lot of those things I think probably is what led to her change of heart. And I think that that is really important when understanding um, the way that pro-life movements like infiltrate certain communities, right? And I think that Caitlin would actually be a very interesting insight into that because Caitlin isn't, they've never really been religious. Like, yeah, I think they are they believe in God, whatever, but it's not like they were staunch, like, evangelicals, right? So I think that the Caitlin and Tylers of the world who are pushing pro-life propaganda from not really a religious angle are, like, people worth talking to when they have a change of heart. Because I do, I think that, like, the messaging that the pro-life movement is doing, it, I mean, that's, it's worth knowing. So that's that. <laughs> I have to take a really quick break, and then we're going to talk about my other favorite girl's thoughts. Guess who? I posted about this on Instagram, but of course, that person is Mackenzie McKee. You guys know I'm just fucking obsessed with her. I think she's the funniest person on earth. Okay, so Mackenzie McKee got on her Twitter, and truly the best thing about my old Twitter getting suspended. If you don't know, my old Twitter got suspended for copyright violation for reposting TikToks that had music in them, which is infuriating. But, you know, it is what it is. Coco Arquette's TikTok one was Bentley zero. Um, but I get to follow Mackenzie McKee again. And <laughs> I resisted the urge to respond to this because I want to be able to keep following her. But as always, as I always say, Mackenzie McKee is truly addicted to being stupid um, this was her tweet. <laughs> all the fighting about abortion, but no one is talking about all the babies slash kids with no families or homes right now. Sad emoji. <laughs> She's so fucking dumb. Like, what the fuck, Mackenzie? Somebody uh, in the comments pointed out that, like, she's always so close to the point, but always like, oh, it says... Uh, this is from Alex Chaffee. She says, she always seems to orbit right up to the point and then whooshes right past it. And that's exactly how I feel about essentially everything that Mackenzie McKee talks about. <laughs> I love a person <laughs> who does zero reading. I don't even mean books. Like, fuck it. I don't give a fuck if you read books or not. But I mean, not, not an area Facebook post, a tweet an Instagram comment, like truly absorbing no information and then does things like tweet, why is nobody talking about this? And it's like, this is literally all we're talking about. Like, Truly all we're fucking talking about is the babies and kids that don't have homes. Like after the idea of forced birth and like the effect that it has on women, this is the second biggest talking point when it comes to overturning Roe v. Wade. <laughs> like, guys, I how can you live on this world and be like, why is nobody talking about the foster care system and all of the babies that need help? 
It's like, yeah, Mackenzie, we know. That's why we're pro-abortion. Girl, we know. There are too many of them. We we know. The people on the left know. We know that there are many children living in really abusive and underprivileged circumstances that do not get the help they need because not just of a shitty foster care system, but because of the shitty, absolutely no social nets that we have in this country. So, so many kids live in poverty that could be fixed by the government doing the tiniest little bit of thing like that fucking child care credit that took what, like a fourth of the kids living in poverty out of poverty. And then they're like, JK, that's a little too much political currency for us. Who cares? Bye bye. Go back to poverty, children. Um. So yeah, Mackenzie, we care. That's like truly the first thing people say. The first fucking thing that they say when talking about this and when they talk about the idea of like not being able to get abortions, they say, so what are what's going to happen with all the babies? Are you going to adopt them? That is the first talking point. And Mackenzie McKee is like, um, excuse me, tap, tap, tap on the mic. Why is nobody talking about this? <laughs> She's just so dumb. Oh, God, Mackenzie McKee. Um, you're a fucking idiot. You're a true idiot. You are an embarrassment to society at large. You are an embarrassment to the Teen Mom franchise. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> oh, I did see Ashley Jones, who I truly will never not think of her last name being Siren because that's her Instagram username, Ashley Siren. She posted like, shut the fuck up. If you don't want an abortion, don't get one. Like, go fuck yourself. And I was like, absolutely correct energy. Love that from Ashley. Um, I think Jade posted some pro-choice stuff. I know Jade is uh, liberal-leaning. Like, do does Jade, like, vote? I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I do want to say also, for all my Swifties, you guys should get on your little Twitters, tweet at Taylor Nation, asking Taylor to come out while she's on this 1989 Taylor's version album promotion that's just starting as of yesterday. You should say, hey, hey, Taylor Nation, could you ask Taylor to come out and uh, say that she supports codifying Roe v. Wade into law and also promotes uh, donating to abortion funds and, oh, maybe even donates a couple thousand to a hundred thousand to a million dollars herself to abortion funds. That would be cool. That would be really cool. Chrissy Teigen and John Legend um, announced that they were donating a significant amount of money to abortion funds. You guys know that, like, I have been talking about supporting abortion funds on here for, I don't know, the whole time I've had this podcast. Uh, the night the leak happened, I donated $100 to the Yellowtail Foundation. That's what it's called, right? Yellowhammer? Yellowhammer. Not Yellowtail. That's a fish. Yellowhammer, um, I I think it's really, really important to donate to abortion funds. In the past, I've given money, a lot of money to National Network of Abortion Funds. Uh, I heard from some people that it's better to donate directly to funds as opposed to like a large national provider, which I think makes total sense. So I have stopped doing the National Network of Abortion Funds, even though I think they still do great work. I like buy their merch, like I support them. But when I'm giving like decent sums of cash, um, I give them right to abortion funds. Uh, like when all the Texas stuff was happening, I mean, was happening, it's still happening. But there are really good funds in Texas. All of like the trigger states have, every state has a fund. Um, and, like, I do give money to Pennsylvania funds because even though we have legalized abortion, 
the guy that's going to run for governor in Pennsylvania with the Republicans or the one that's most likely going to be nominated to run for governor this fall. We haven't had our primaries yet. They happen next week, I think, on this Tuesday, whenever the 17th. So like the following Tuesday, two weeks, basically. Um, he His name is Doug Mastriani, and he's a fucking monster. And he is like a Trump lackey to the extreme. He was like all gung-ho on the fact that Pennsylvania's election was stolen. He's a state senator in Pennsylvania. And he introduced a heartbeat law into Pennsylvania, like in like onto the Senate floor in Pennsylvania. And nothing's happened with it. But that guy might be governor of Pennsylvania. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> there's that. Um, so, yeah, even if you live in a state like Pennsylvania, which is kind of a blue state and like does have a decent amount of abortion providers like it could end at any moment you know so yeah I've been really glad like pod safe America who I don't, I don't really listen to them but I like follow their socials for the most part has been pushing a lot of like abortion fund stuff which I've been really glad to see because that means like even the liberal organizations I'm using I don't know how I feel about like the the use of like liberal versus left-leaning but like the more moderate democratic party lined voices are talking about abortion funds, which I think is really great. So if everybody wants to donate $10 in the name of Mackenzie McKee, I think that'd be lovely. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, like you don't have to donate if you don't have any money. But I you guys know that I really believe in micro donations and even $5 could go into the pocket of somebody who needs to get an abortion. And that's really important. So there's that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about teen mom, I guess. I really did not feel like recording this episode. I am in a a slump with Teen Mom right now. And I think, I hate to say this, but I do think a big part of it is that, like, I've been really loving my Patreon content lately. Like, I said I did that Johnny. Like, I love that I could upload that Johnny, Johnny Depp episode. I did Vanderpump Rules Season 3, which is so fun. I talked about Exo Jane last week, the website Exo Jane, which is, I love those episodes where I can really talk about, like, these random niche topics that don't have a place like I, in my opinion I don't think there are any other podcasts that are doing like an in-depth analysis on ExoJane and how unhinged that website was and how it happened like they used to publish stories like it happened to me my best friend died and I'm happy about it like I don't really think that there's anywhere else doing that I do feel like in many ways I'm putting out pretty original content on my Patreon and so it can be hard when I'm not feeling motivated by the going-ons in the team mom world, but I love my audience of feathers in my hair, and I do love this podcast. It can just be hard sometimes to talk about this show when nothing is going on. So, I don't know. Do I make feathers in my hair a different type of podcast? I don't know. Did you guys know? I mean, why would you know this? <laughs> I was about to say, did you guys know I have eight years sober tomorrow? And by tomorrow, I mean when you're listening to this on Sunday, May 8th, I'll have eight years sober. Um, that's crazy. I started this podcast when I had two and a half years sober, I think, right? Because I started in January 2017. I got sober in May 2014. I started this podcast before I had three years sober, and now I have eight years sober. And that's a really long time to do a podcast about the show Teen Mom. But it's also been like such a gift and a joy and being able to share my eight year sobriety 
anniversary is really special. And I know a lot of people that have struggled with substance use disorder have listened to this podcast and have been able to relate to the shit that I talk about. And that is absolutely some of the most rewarding things that have happened, like the messages that I get from you guys about um, like just your journeys to sobriety or your journeys to just like reexamining your drinking problems or your whatever. Uh, also, like when I get messages from people about um, reexamining some dynamics in their life and their relationships after things that I said, that's really special. And it's, I don't mean that in like, like, I don't think I'm getting anybody sober. I don't think I'm the reason anybody's leaving their abusive spouse. But I do think that sometimes like you just need somebody else to say out loud what you already knew. And if I can be that person that says it out loud for you, like that's really special to me. So I don't know. I always get very sentimental around my sobriety anniversary. And I think about all the things in my life and feathers in my hair is obviously like a huge part of my life. Huge, huge, huge part of my life. Um, so yeah, thank you all for being here. What if I just ended the episode there? <laughs> I was like, that's it. It's so long. <laughs> oh goodness. This show just sucks. It sucks. And you know what? It actually like I didn't mind watching the last two episodes. I, it's just that they're like, not much is happening. I mean, not that much ever really happened on the show, but not much is happening right now. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about, I guess, last week's episode two. I went out of town to take care of my best friend who had surgery. Um, she had to like, they thought they were gonna have to remove her fallopian tubes. It was this whole thing. And thankfully, they didn't have to do that. But you know, she has 800 children and it was she was like down for the count it was a lot worse recovery wise than she thought so it's really good that I was there to help with the kids um and just you know help her husband with like it's four kids is a lot and it's hard to do on your own and so I was glad that I was able to be there to help with the children and help her husband over the weekend and it's really funny because like I'm very close to her husband as well and at one point I was like you need to take out the trash like I was like bitching at him like a nagging wife and then we were just kind of laughing about it I was like I'm really comfortable here (laughs) I'm really comfortable in your home (laughs) so last week's episode um obviously I didn't do a recap on so we can talk about last week's episode and this week's episode because honestly doing two episodes at once is probably the jam anyway when it comes to this show Let's start with Leah, who truly has nothing going on this season. I cannot believe how uncompelling I find Jalen and Leah as a couple. I I want to say this correctly because I actually don't really have a problem with me. I will say like Jalen, as they say on TikTok, like gives me the ick as far as like Kara and I talk pretty extensively about this. Like, I find a male influencer to be really unnerving in a way that I can't quite describe. But as far as, like, who Jalen is as a person, like, I think he's a good person. He's educated. He has a good career. He's close with his family. Um, He seems to have a lot of friends. Like, everything on paper about Jalen is great and even everything that we've seen on the show and on social media, even if I'm just kind of like, it's for the most part, like very non-offensive behavior. I just don't personally like it. 
But as far as like watching them on screen, it I one, it feels very fake. And I think a big part of this issue is that Leah isn't willing to be honest about herself and her life and how fast she's moving in this relationship. I think she's like become very aware that we all know that she moves too fast in her relationship. So she's not wanting to talk openly and honestly about how quickly they're moving and she is working so hard to give us this like we're taking it slow you know I don't let my guard down I don't let anybody in she's like leaning really hard into that in a way that's so inauthentic and it just doesn't read on screen correctly like when Leah is talking to her sister and her sister's like I know you want to get married and have babies and Leah's like I don't know if I ever want to get married again when you know you know Leah and Jalen are like spending every single night being like, I cannot wait to marry you. I cannot wait to have your baby. Let's start having unprotected sex now. <laughs> like, I would really not be surprised if they were already engaged and just keeping it offline. Like, I just this whole thing of Leah being like, I'm taking it slow. I'm taking it slow. When we know that that's not really what's happening, I just find to be really fake, honestly. Also, like, I mean, it is weird how close like he is with the kids already it's weird he moves to charleston where she lives he gets his own apartment um he had (laughs) i don't know how to describe this he had a hundred things hanging on his wall like diploma like he had a gallery wall of like certificates and diplomas which like i guess is cool but it also seems like i don't know like i'm like i bet one of those is like a constant contact seminar certificate like (laughs) I It just felt like there's no way that he really has that many pieces of paper that are worth displaying. But he's like showing the girls around the house. And then he's like, and look. And he has like the family pictures that they took in the fall, like framed on his wall. And I'm like, that's weird. It's weird. You've been with Leah for under six months at this point. Because this is around Thanksgiving. And they didn't go on their first date until July. And they didn't become a couple until August. And this is in November, early December. So that's weird. I'm sorry, it just is. Um, also, Leah, I this was a really subtle moment. I'm not sure if a lot of people would notice this. I say a lot of people, um, understanding that only about 11 people still watch the show. But there's a moment where, so Leah like brings him over <laughs> very weirdly a housewarming gift, which is just a picture of him in his, like, cap and gown at graduation, but on a canvas print that's, I don't know sizes, but large, like, tabloid-sized paper. So, like, 11 by 17, probably. I only know paper, like, sizes in regards to, like, um, like office printer paper. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, like, 11 by 17. Like, it was very large. And it was, like, that's a weird thing to have, like, in the home that you live in by yourself. Like, just like a big picture of just yourself it's very weird but Leah like gives it to him he's like oh that's so nice and then Addie goes hold on I wrote this down Addie said mom that's a hunk of a chunk of a man right there and Leah's like yeah it is a hunk of a chunk of a man I'm like that's weird that's a fucking weird thing for an eight-year-old to say I'm sorry that's bizarre um you know, I think Addie is around the same age as my oldest niece. And it is different because when my oldest niece obviously is the oldest sister, so she doesn't have like a ton of older kid influence. 
And I'm sure like when my youngest niece is nine and her older sisters are like 14, 15, and 11 or whatever the age difference is, like her nine will look a lot different than her oldest sister nine looked. So I do take that into account, like when it comes to comparing Addie with like my oldest niece. But at the same time, like it's just it just feels inappropriate. It really feels inappropriate when she's like talking about her mom's boyfriend. She's like, that's a hunk of a chunk man right there. Like, that's weird. I it just like, I don't know. It's weird. And Leah like laughing along like she always does at Addie's shit just bizarre. Uh, They go to Charlotte for Christmas, Leah and the girls, to meet his family, which is nice. Uh, It seems like they all get along well, which is good. Corey and uh, Jalen meet on camera for the first time, I believe. He's there for, uh, maybe they already did, but I don't know. But he's there for, like, dropping the girls off. They have a exactly what you would expect for Corey type of talk, right? Very, very minimal, but nice and cordial. They seem to get along. Leah's like, I'm so glad that he'll be able to be here for these things now. And it's like, why don't you just marry him? (laughs) Like, you very clearly just want to be his wife. At one point, Leah's talking to her sister on FaceTime. And she's like, her sister's like, so when are you getting married? And Leah's like, you know, we already, like, live like married partners. We just don't have the title. And I'm like, oh, my God. So why are you pretending like you're taking it slow? I don't know if you noticed this, guys, but when she was on FaceTime with Victoria, Victoria kept opening her eyes. Like, she was going from her eyes being, like, super, like, closed. Like, I used to look like when I was stoned and I truly could not keep my eyes open. I never used to get red eye. I just, like, could not lift my eyelids up. Um, <laughs> which is really worse because at least with red eye you could use visine no 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 I I never had that problem it was just so fucking obvious I was stoned but she looks like that except occasionally she opens her eyes so wide I think Victoria does drugs I've kind of thought this for a long time and I was really noticing it on this FaceTime scene but Royere her fiance is coming to America finally they got a K-90 visa, and they're getting married as soon as he gets here, basically. So, mazel tov to them. Leah also says that she was 17 the first time she got married, and I was like, is that right? Was she really under the age of 18 the first time she got married? That feels not right to me. Because doesn't she, in her 16 and pregnant episode, graduate from high school? Because, she, I mean, I know the twins were there for her high school graduation. That was, no, that was teen mom I think because I remember her being like really upset that Corey wasn't there and then she gets back to with Corey like a little bit after that then they get engaged a little bit after that and they get married a little bit after that how old was Leah when she graduated from high school when's Leah's birthday is she like just one of those people that went to school early I was just surprised to hear her say that she was 17 when she got married to Corey also like that's insane (laughs) I'm sorry I feel like I'm living on a different planet when I hear that somebody got married at 17 in like 2010 or whatever year that was. Like somebody getting married at 22 where I'm from, I'm like, wow, they're getting married really young. Like I think Julia married her husband when she was like 22. I don't know how old you are, Julia, but they've been married for over 10 years. She's 35. So like under the age of 25 for sure and like they were considered young to be engaged and married like that was they were 
by far the youngest people that I knew to get married and probably the youngest people they knew too. Like that was young. Like somebody getting married at 23 was like, whoa, you're getting married? Um, And Leah was 17 at her first marriage and 19 at her second. (laughs) Oh, God. Mama Dawn (laughs) really fucked up. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I need Leah to like do something. I I just need something to happen with Leah. Okay, let's chat about Jade, who had a really slow two episodes because these are kind of like weird transition episodes and that Sean isn't home yet. Um, you know, like she went to see Sean, everything's going really well, and now there's a couple episodes before Sean comes home. And I think that MTV just isn't really sure what to show because I I think when Jade is not having drama in her life, she actually lives like a very normal and productive life that is really boring for television. I think that it makes it hard for MTV because like if she's not fighting with her mom and she's not fighting with Sean, I think that she like truly just like gets up, takes a little clo clo to daycare, goes to her job, works for eight hours, picks little clo clo up from daycare, they go home they order some pizza and they sit and watch TV. Like, I think <laughs> Jade actually has a very normal life in many ways, uh, especially compared to like the girls that have been on Teen Mom since they were or, like been on TV since they were 16 and are very wealthy now. Um, even compared to somebody like Brie, like, I think that Jade is a hard worker. Um, I think that she's always been a hard worker. She's like Kale kind of in that regard, although we know that Kale isn't really like a hard worker anymore. But when it comes to just, like, her day-to-day, I think that Jade, like, has a really normal life. Like, I don't think she really parties a lot anymore. I think she just, like, chills at her house in sweatpants, and she's, like, just binge-watching TV. (laughs) I think she has a life similar to probably what a lot of us have, and it's not interesting on TV. And so MTV brings over Chow, her best friend, and they, like, talk about things, but there's nothing actually going on if she's not fighting with her mom and she's not fighting with Sean. All she does is talk about, like, what it's going to be like when Sean comes home. And I think that Jade has a pretty healthy skepticism of Sean coming home. But I think that this is why she really needs to go to therapy on her own, as Kara and I were discussing. Um, You know, Jade is somebody who has a lifetime of trauma She has never had, like, a stable, healthy relationship. Sean has now gone to treatment and is, like, changing himself. But Jade isn't changing herself. And she seems really unsure and, like, really what she wants from Sean and what she's supposed to be doing regarding Sean, which makes sense because I don't think Jade has any direction in this. And I wish that she had a therapist or just somebody that she could talk to about this because she is, like... Well, I think maybe when Sean first comes home, I'm going to get him an Airbnb because, like, I don't want him to, like, come back to the house right away because I'm not sure if that's good for him. And she's like, but also, like, I have gotten really used to being independent. I'm not sure what it's going to be like for him to be here. I'm not sure if I'm ready for him to move in right away. And, like, yes, right? Like, that that's a really good self-awareness. And I think she's totally spot on when she says that. But I think that this is a Jade problem. It's a Kale problem. This is a problem I relate to a lot, honestly. Um, It's when you have, like, a real understanding of your life, uh, but you don't know how to, like, do anything to fix it. Uh, 
they talk about this in AA. It's like self-knowledge avails us nothing is what they say. And it's like this idea of like, well, I'm an alcoholic and I need to stop, but then you don't know how to stop. But I used to like be able to go into the therapist and like tell the therapist truly every single thing that was wrong in my life that ever went wrong. And I was this way because of this, 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 and this. But then it was like, then nothing. Like I could tell you everything, but then I like couldn't access any part of my brain to like fix these things. And I think Kale is that way a lot. Um, you know, because a lot of times when she's like talking after the fact, she has really rational like opinions on what happened and like can really understand her wrong and what the other person did. But then she doesn't like she can't do anything to fix it. And I think Jade is really similar in that. So Jade's sitting here being like, one, like I've gotten super used to him being away. So like, I'm just not sure what it's going to be like to have him there. I don't know what our new dynamics are going to be. I'm worried about him coming into the home. And those are all really reasonable worries. But Jade just stops there, right? She's like, well, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> and I think she'd really benefit from being in therapy so she could like work through the therapist like, with the therapist, like, okay, what boundaries do I want to make with Sean? Do I want him to come back to this house? Really, I cannot believe that the treatment center is not pushing for him to go to a halfway house. This is really confusing to me because Chow actually specifically asks, what does the counselor think that he should do? And she's like, well, the counselor told us not to really like talk about it because it's still three weeks away and it's just going to cause a lot of stress. And I was like, yeah, because they're going to recommend you go to a halfway house. I, What I really think is that they are saying that because with a couple of days left, they're going to pounce on him and be like, you have to go to a halfway house. Actually, we think that you shouldn't go back to Indiana. But if you are going to go back to Indiana, you should move in here. Like that, that really is what they should be doing. And then Jade and Sean can like slowly ease into having him back in her life and Chloe's life and follow a but he can still be in a structured environment that has rules and regulations and expectations um, because Jade will have rules and regulations and expectations but she won't know how to properly dole them out essentially and also like it's rarely a good dynamic when you are giving your boyfriend rules and regulations and expectations and I think Sean won't react well to it And I just think it would make so much more sense if he went and he lived in a structured environment. He got a job. They spent time together. Like, he was still totally part of Chloe and Jade's life. And if Jade really, like, I mean, Jade has the money, right? Like, she could, I'm not saying she has to do this, but, like, if I was Jade, I think what I would be willing to do would be, like, I want you to go live in a halfway house. I don't know if Jade knows this, but if I was Jade (laughs) with eight years of sobriety in my head... (laughs) What I would say is, I love you. I'm proud of you. I really think you need to live in a halfway house. And kind of here's my compromise is I'm going to buy you. I'm going to buy a car that you can use. Right. Like so that you can like easily get to work. It's going to be in my name so you can get to work so you can come and see me and Chloe so that you can get around. Um, And like she doesn't I just think it'd be a good way to be like look, I'm showing you that, like, I still really want you to be active in our life, but I can't have you live here. But I I just don't think Jade has the tools to, like, separate what she's, wor- like, to figure out, like, how to fix what she's worried about. And I'm just really worried that she's going to come, that he's going to come home and they're going to fall right into old habits. 
I hope they don't. I really hope they don't. I'm proud of Jade, by the way. She, like, bought this house in cash. She's redoing it. She's redoing the bathroom. Basically, like, redoing the whole thing. It looks good. I'm happy for her. I know that's, like, a huge... I think she said, right, she was the first person in her family to ever own a house. Like, what a huge accomplishment for her. And a really, uh, like, wonderful gift to give her child the stability of homeownership. So, I mean, good for her for that. Okay, let's talk about... Ashley, who her big thing is that she gets vaccinated, which I'm obviously thrilled about. She goes to meet up with her sister, Chris, and she's like, I'm getting vaccinated. And her sister goes, oh, good. You'll be the guinea pig. If you're all right, I might reconsider. And I'm like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Many of us were boosted by the time Chris is like, well, I'll see if you're okay." (laughs) Like, We're all okay. We're all okay." Um. Ashley calls her mom to tell her that she's doing it. And this is what her mom says. She's like, you know, I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow. And your mom's like, we're not doing that shit. And Ashley's like, well, I'm not I'm not asking you. She's like, I the the reality is if I don't get vaccinated, I'm going to have to give up this salon. I'm wondering because they're in California, what regulations were going on that like because she's really not even just talking about in like safety wise this makes the most sense she's really making it seem like if she does not get vaccinated she cannot run this salon so I'm kind of wondering if like there were some sort of regulations going on at the time I don't know um by the way like lol that we've just totally said fuck vaccination requirements everywhere (laughs) I have not been asked to show a vaccine card in quite a long time Suddenly, everyone's like, eh, let's just, uh, fuck it. Let's forget about that. I'm like, can I get another booster? When are we getting our next boosters? <laughs> I'm planning on being a person that every year I get a flu shot and a COVID booster. Like, I'm hoping that's what the endemic version of this, is that what it's called, right? Endemic, where we just kind of live with it. I'm hoping it just is like a once a year booster along with my flu shot. Because I get my flu shot every year. So just put them both in at the same time. That's what I did with my booster this year. Um... I just, like, what happened to vaccine requirements? But I think Ashley has a a great point in that she lives in California, and she's like, I'm going to be excluded from society in a way that I don't want to be if I don't get vaccinated. And I think, like, that, I think that makes total sense. Like, at the time, she probably couldn't go into restaurants. She couldn't go into hotels. Like, her life probably really was being limited, limited, limited by not having a vaccine. And so obviously I like totally support her choice to get vaccinated. Go to vaccine.gov to find out about vaccinations near you. Somebody messaged me that Ashley said that she didn't get boosted because I was speculating two episodes ago that like or last two weeks ago, last episode that I bet Ashley was already vaccinated by the time they had this conversation and they the person said something like she did get vaccinated, but not boosted or something. Um, but we see her get vaccinated on the show. Her cousin goes with her. Her cousin and her look just alike. <laughs> it was I was like, whoa, strong family resemblance. Her cousin is really pretty, too. I liked her. I was like, let's get her on the show more. She has a fun energy. Her cousin was like, you have to get vaccinated. She's <laughs> like, this is they were joking around that if Ashley's arm falls off, she'll just get a prosthetic arm. I thought it was cute and funny. Um, I mean, Ashley's totally right. She's like, I see six or seven people a day. Not everybody has the mask on correctly. It just is crazy for me not to be vaccinated. And I was like, good for you, girl. So when she calls her mom and talks about it, 
She's like, Mom, I just, like, I'm trying to understand your point of view. Like, is it because you want there to be more research? And this is what I mean by this feels very MTV heavy and why I thought a lot of this was being, like, scripted by MTV. Because I, wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know the answer to this? Like, if your mom is this, like, fervent of being anti-vaccination, like, wouldn't you know? Because Ashley's like, so you just, you want to wait to see if there's more research. And this is what T says. For me, you know, it's an issue. It's about God. This wasn't something I woke up about COVID, I, that I woke up about COVID. I just don't believe in vaccinations wholeheartedly in any of them. <laughs> it's like, well, I will say this is, I hope everybody understands what I'm about to say with this. People that are anti-vax in general that didn't get a COVID vaccine, I understand a lot more than people who get the rest of their vaccines but wouldn't get a COVID vaccine. At least if you're, like, consistently anti-vax, I'm like, well, yeah, like, you don't get anything else. Why would you get the COVID one, right? Like, (laughs) that makes sense to me. It's the people that, like, get all of their vaccinations and a flu shot that are like, fuck no, I'm not getting that. Um, I... I mean, and Ashley, she says my mom is anti-vax. Is Ashley anti? Does Ashley have Holly vaccinated? Did Ashley get vaccinated as a child? I have questions about this. Um, I just, I cannot wrap my mind around somebody being like, I just don't really believe in vaccinations. I just, I don't get it. Like, I, I never will understand this, honestly. I can kind of understand being like, I think they'll make me sicker or I'm scared of them. Fear, I understand. I don't understand the idea of somebody saying, I don't believe that they work because it's, it's like objectively false. Like we know that the polio vaccine worked. You know that the measles vaccine you worked. The chicken pox vaccines. When's the last time you heard of a kid getting fucking chicken pox? Like, you know that they work. Like, you have to know that. It just, that to me makes me feel like we live in a different reality. Fear I get. Complete denial of effectiveness. Efficiency? Effectiveness? Effectiveness is the word I'm looking for. Full denial of effectiveness? I don't, I, I logically can't wrap my head around it. So Ashley gets her shot, and so does Barr. And for that, I say good for them. I hope they went back for their second ones. I mean, they haven't. I mean, apparently, they haven't gotten boosted yet. But also, they didn't get vaccinated until December or January, so they wouldn't even really be eligible for them yet, anyway. So, Ashley, I hope you got both of them. I'm proud of you for doing this, and I do like that MTV showed this on television. In the second episode, we find out that Shen has a tumor on her spine that may be cancer, and Barr's really torn up about it, and Shen comes to visit. Okay. (laughs) Shen, as somebody that follows Shen on Instagram, which I do, Shen has a health crisis once a week. She seems to go to the hospital every single week. I don't know what came to be with this tumor, but I don't think she has cancer because I haven't seen her post about having cancer. So, I mean, maybe she does. And I just missed it. I think Shen is a person that um, is sick a lot. I think she's sick a lot. So, I mean, I feel for Barr. I do. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting seeing him and Ashley, like, really getting along with Shen. It feels risky. 
Okay, so let's talk about Brie. No, Kale. No, Brie. Kale. Let's talk about Kale. Oh, oh goodness. Okay, so in the first episode, the one from last week, they show her Insta story of being like, congrats on your new family, Chris. Love kids. (laughs) She's such a bitch for that. Oh, she's such an asshole for that. Outing that pregnancy was so fucked up. It was so fucked up. The little baby's name is True, by the way. T-R-E-W. That's tough. That's tough for me. You know, I really come around to the name True. Shout out to True Thompson. I think it's cute. Also, remember that movie from Disney Channel? What was that called? Shia LaBeouf was in it, right? And it, or it, was it the girl from Even Stevens? Christy Carlson Romano that was in it? Wasn't her name True? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, so... Kale then is like, well, I'm not talking about this. 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 The whole episode was her being like, I won't talk about it. Uh, The producer is like, so what's going on? And she's like, Chris asked me to talk about that, not talk about it. So I'm not going to make comments. Well, any new comments on Chris or the new family? The producer asks her if she, like, wants the kids to be close to the new sibling. And Kale says, I hope when his new baby comes, he forgets about Lux and Creed and wants nothing to do with them. Now, is that something that I've heard about, like, Ryan Edwards and Adam? Yes. Yes, I have. Um... But, like, Kale saying it on TV, it's just, it's so gross. Like, your kids are going to see that. Like, even if you really do feel that way because Chris is, like, in and out of the picture, and I do understand that, uh, not wanting, like, to either be in or out, I I do get that. But at the same time, like, you did you need to say that, Kale? Did you? Did you need to say that? Because I feel like you didn't, and you're just being a bitch, which is kind of her thing, right? Uh, So she's like, well, you know, the kids aren't going to be so close with his baby because Chris lives an hour away. And if Chris wants to be involved, then he and his new girlfriend and the new baby need to move here. I'm like, girl, what are you talking about? First of all, an hour away is not that big of a deal. Will Creed and Lex be as close with True as Lincoln and um, Isaac are with their siblings? Probably not, realistically, at least not until they're older. Because Lincoln and Isaac see their sibling every other week for a full week. Like, they spend 50% of their time with their... Actually, I don't know how much Lincoln sees um, Eli. That I'm not sure about. But they spend a lot of times, a lot of time with their siblings. But, like, Chris doesn't need to live closer for the boys to have a relationship with the new baby. They just need to regularly see their dad. And Kale's like, what, you're just going to see him every other weekend and then, like, they won't see the baby the rest of the time. It's like, well, yeah, I, I, I think so. Like, is that the biggest deal? I don't know. The way she's talking about it is so weird. So Chris is filming. I was under the impression that Chris was not going to be on the show again. Was everybody else under that impression? I thought when Kale went back to filming, the condition was no more Chris and that she used her leverage of not filming to get Chris off the show. But I guess not because here comes Chris and his podcast for- friend uh, bread 
Sorry, it's a very silly nickname, Bread. Um, and I know it probably means like money, whatever. It's just, it's funny. But it's, I was surprised to see Chris filming. I really was. I really didn't think we were going to get that. But they talk about the new girlfriend, how actually she's not Chris's girlfriend, but they've been knowing each other since they were kids. And I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this, but the girl he had this baby with is the girl that he's been, like, off and on with the whole time he's been with Kale. If you'll remember, for a long time, it was like, Chris was never even with Kale. He had a girlfriend the whole time. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I think he was just off and on with her, like he was off and on with Kale. And I kind of go back and forth on who's the dumber person in this situation, Kale or the new girlfriend whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it might be Sierra. I can't remember. But... You know, it's one thing for Kale to have a second baby with Chris, which was crazy. It was crazy to have a second baby with him. But, like, I guess I can understand if you want one more kid, you go with the one that you already have a kid with, whatever. But, like, having a kid by him, like, after he spends however long cheating on you with Kale and having two babies by Kale while he's still on and off with you, then you get pregnant by him? Like, what are you doing, girl? It's honestly almost worse than Kale. Like, if Kale was the side chick this whole time, which, by the way, did you guys know that people are calling side pieces or, like, friends with benefits their sneaky link? It's, like, based on a song, but that's what the kids are calling it. <laughs> um, But, like, if Kale really was, like, the other woman the entire time he was with this girl, like, a lot of people online claim, I'm like, doesn't that actually make her a little more pathetic than Kale? Because at least, like, I don't know. Like, if your significant other is cheating on you for five years with Kale and gets her pregnant twice in those five years, like, what are you doing, girl? Why are you with him? I I don't understand the women in Chris's life. I do think Chris is cute, and I actually think he's kind of charming when he's on TV. Like, I was in this scene, I was like, Chris is cute, and I find him, like, an endearing person, but having a baby by him endearing? I don't think so. So the baby's born. Kale's in Atlanta filming, and, like, for her podcast, and, like, it comes up that the baby is born, and Lindsay Chrisley is like, what? The baby's born? Was it a boy? And Kale's like, I'm not talking about this. And the producer keeps trying to ask, and Kale's like, I spoke to my lawyer last night, and she said, I'm not allowed to talk about this, but Lindsay... (laughs) is standing over in the corner being like, but wait, when was it born? And Kale's just going, I'm not talking about this. And it honestly, at a certain point, the producer stopped asking questions and Lindsay's still asking questions. It's like, good for you, Lindsay. Oh, by the way, Kale has come out and said that she's absolutely not doing the new show and that she was, um, like, asked to be part of, like, the combined version of Teen Mom, and she said no because they were getting pay cuts. So a lot of people online be like, yeah, fucking right, they didn't ask her. I guarantee they asked her. There's no way they didn't ask her. I don't know why people in this fandom don't understand that Kale is, like, one of the biggest stars of Teen Mom that's still on the show, but she is. It's just a fact. But Kale says that she's not doing it. I say we'll see. You know, I mean, if I was her and they were giving me a big pay cut and I got the shit that I got from being on the show that she gets, I wouldn't do it either. It wouldn't be worth it. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm really curious if that's actually going to happen, that combined show. I mean, Leah's definitely going to do it. <laughs> we know that. I'm sure Bree, Jade, Ashley will agree. Amber. 
Macy. I don't know. I have no idea what this is going to look like, this combined show. So, in the second episode, Kale and Javi are fucking again. This is crazy. This is really crazy. Kale's pretending like she's contemplating getting back together with him and, like, nothing's happened yet. And it's like, you two are so obviously having sex. They went, I think, to Atlanta again. I don't know. She seems to be in Atlanta a lot. But they went somewhere for, like, Lincoln's football trip. And they got along the whole time, a.k.a. they fucked while they're on this trip. Then Javi comes over to see the house and he is being so Javi. He's like, oh, so this is my bedroom? And she's like, this is not your house. (laughs) Then they go to Kale's office, just the two of them. And she's like, I'm reconsidering, like, making it work with him. I'm like, I think you're already trying. You're hanging out with him without Lincoln there. (laughs) Like, you two are having lunch together by yourselves. And Kale says the wildest shit. I was shocked when she said this. She said, you know, you, like are really the perfect example of right person, wrong time. I was like, what? Kale, what? (laughs) So now Kale is saying that Javi was always the right one for her. It just wasn't a good time. And even Javi is like, what? (laughs) You think that? (laughs) Like, even Javi is shocked by this revelation. I think nobody saw this coming. And Kale's like, yeah, well... I think we're great partners. Look at how good we're co-parenting right now. Did two weeks ago, did we not, did we not watch a scene, our whole episode in which Kale is talking about how Javi and her don't get along at all and they are terrible as co-parents because they have totally different parenting styles. Like, am I hallucinating this? I swear to God, every other week we're getting a different story on what's going on with Javi. Uh, Oh, by the way, when Javi comes to her house, they hug and I'm, he kissed her on the lips. Like, and I'm a person that kisses hello to a lot of people. Like, a, but you don't actually kiss them. Like, you kiss, like, by the space. Like, you don't even, your mouth doesn't even reach their cheek, really. It's not supposed to. You just kind of, like, do it, like, loud enough near their ear so they can, like, hear that you're kissing them. <laughs> like, I'm definitely, like, culturally a person that kisses hello to many people. But I'm pretty sure they kissed on the lips. Like, <laughs> They're so obviously having sex. She does at least acknowledge in a talking head that the issue with Javi is that when things are good, they're really good. And when they're bad, they're terrible. And I'm like, well, at least she sees that. But like the fact that her and Javi are still going back and forth is fucking pathetic. Like, Kale, what are you talking about? And we know they get into another fight because they like got into a big fight via TikTok in which he, um... Like, she was posting old drafts, and he's like, don't fucking post that. So this blows up quickly, as it always does. When she said that he was the right person for her, girl, on what planet? They have different values in everything. She just thinks that, like, because they both want Lincoln to be good at football, that they make good partners. (laughs) It's really nonsensical. It really, really, really is. Oh, God, Kale. They're not, obviously, they're not going to get, I think Kale and Javi are just going to have sex for the rest of their lives, despite relationship status. I mean, I guess maybe unless, like, Kale really falls in love with somebody and, like, does some real work on herself. But I just think that they're going to have sex, like, a few times a year for the rest of their lives, truly. Lincoln, or Kale goes, Lincoln, don't you love me and your dad hanging out and getting along? And Lincoln goes, I don't know. (laughs) 
I love it when the parents try and be like, don't you love this baby to like justify what they're doing? And the kid is like, I mean, I not really. I don't really care. Oh, goodness. Okay, let's bring it on home with Brie, who I felt really weirdly sympathetic for Brie in this episode. She is, well, first she's talking to her mom, and we find out that Lewis's dad sent her $500 for gifts for Stella, which was nice. Rox is like, wow, you really struck a chord with him. And Lewis asks her to come meet up with him. So they go and meet up. Uh, well, actually, first, sorry, I, I forgot this. She picks up Stella and Nova from school, and they're in the car, and she's like, Nova, your dad wants to come over tonight. And Stella goes, who? And she's like, Devon. And Stella's like, not Lewis. And Bree's like, no. And Stella goes, phew, I thought it was Lewis. Oh, God. Bree's like, you don't want him to come over? Why? And she's like, Stella goes, can you call him? And Bree's like, yeah. Or who do you want to call? You want to call Lewis? And she's like, no. She's like, should we call Devon? And he's, Stella's like, yes, yes. So they call Devon to say hi. And then Bree's like, well, I'll call Lewis too. And Stella's like, no, 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 no. And in her talking head, Bree did say, like, the reason that I called him is because, like, she brought him up and, like, talked about calling him. So I think she did want to call him, which, I mean, I guess, like, I could see that. Um, but Stella puts her hands over her ears as to not hear the phone ringing. Okay. Uh, then Devoid comes over. He takes the girls out. It's very nice. So this is when Bree goes to meet up with Lewis. He doesn't want to film. I guess his new thing is not filming. Uh, but Bree has her mic on. And basically they have the same conversation they've had a million times. Lewis wants to be there for her. He's going to be consistent. That He's going to call. He promises to call every day. Etc. Etc. So Bree comes home and she's talking to Roxanne about this. And they are, you know, just talking about the fact that like, Stella loves Devoin and gets along with him, but, like, that's not her dad, and it's never going to be her dad, and she's getting old enough to know the difference, and that Devoin doesn't, I, I don't think they were saying that Devoin doesn't feel the same way about Stella as he feels about Nova, but I think it was just, like, realistic, like, that Stella is not his daughter. And I think that he does spend like a good amount of time with Stella and Stella really cares for him. But it's like an uncle, you know, like that. I mean, I know sometimes he'll be like, Devoin is like a dad to Stella. I don't really believe that, to be honest. Um, I think he's like an, a close family friend, an uncle, somebody he cares they, that loves Stella. But like, would Devoin take custody of Stella if something happened to Brie and like, he had to take Nova. Would he take Stella too? I don't, I don't know. And that's fine because it's not his daughter, right? <laughs> like, I don't say that as a criticism to Devoin. I just like, I think that what they're saying is like Stella's going to become aware that like it's different with Nova and Devoin than it is with her and Devoin because that's not her dad. And it's not like a situation where it's her stepdad and, you know, there are definitely cases where, like, like if Cole and Chelsea broke up, like, I believe that Aubrey would still be very close with Cole, right? Like, I really believe that. But that's because they live together. They've had a relationship for a long time. Like, Cell and Devoy never lived together. They've never had, like, a father-daughter type of situation. And, like, 
I really hope I'm not, it doesn't come off like I'm criticizing Devoin for this because I'm truly not. And I think it's really great how he is with Stella. But I think that Brie and Roxanne are being realistic when they say like Stella is going to realize it's different with her. Um, Roxanne starts crying and Brie starts crying and like gets up from the conversation. He's like, I just need a minute. And she goes in the bathroom and shuts the door, but she has her mic on. Guys, she starts sobbing, sobbing. I started crying watching this. I am not particularly drawn to this storyline. I don't really get why Brie keeps doing this with Lewis where she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't get the Lewis of it all in many ways. But like it was very raw the way Brie was crying. It, usually she just does like some tears, right? And she's like, Ugh, and then she kind of like shakes off the emotion. I don't think... In general, Brie is just not very emotive. So when I tell you Brie was like loudly sobbing, like it sounded like she was like having a full just like fuck it breakdown cry session. Like I started crying because it was just really sad. (laughs) Like I could just even though this like sometimes I can cry along. Well, I mean, I'm a crier in general. I think all of you know that. How many times have I cried on this fucking mic? I'm a crier in general, but like if somebody is really sad about something, even if I don't necessarily agree with the thing that they're sad about, I can cry because I just I really like I feel touched and sad by their like raw emotion. And that's how I felt here. I just poor Bray. <laughs> I just watching somebody just and I know she was just sobbing because she wants more for Stella. And I think it has to do with her own dad and everything right just everything and you could just feel it I just wanted to give her a little hug and be like I get it it's okay oh (laughs) I also think because she really doesn't cry like that normally um but then Lewis starts crying or starts calling which I guess is nice when they met up by the way he didn't ask at all about the heart monitor but when they're on FaceTime he's like Stella why are you wearing a fanny pack and Brie goes, that's where she keeps her heart monitor. And he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, So in the second episode, Lewis is calling way more, which is good, except we're having an issue with Nova and that her grades are slipping. So Brie pulled her out of gymnastics, which I was really impressed with. I was glad to hear that because I think my understanding is that Nova is on like the serious gymnastics track, like she is leveling up in gymnastics you go like through levels you have to like be able to do certain skills for each level basically there's level one through ten and then after ten is elite and elite is where like that's where you're on olympic track not everybody who does elite goes to the olympics obviously or even joins like the national team but elite is olympic track uh level 10 is still very high most most d1 uh d1 gymnasts were level 10 um And some were elite as well. But I think Nova is like on, she's like on a competition team and she's leveling up. And so I was a little worried when they were talking about this that Brie was going to not mention the gymnastics. But she basically was like, gymnastics is a privilege. You'll get it back when you raise your grades. We're just pausing it for now. And I think a lot of times like really competitive parents wouldn't do that because they care more about gymnastics than school or the sport than school. Uh, so I was glad to see Brie do that. Um, 
At one point, Devoin picks up both the girls from school, which I thought was nice. Uh, we get a little clip of them talking about the heart monitor, uh, Brie, her sister, and her mom. And the doctor said, like, everything was fine. They think maybe Stella was just, like, noticing that she has a heartbeat <laughs> and, like, wasn't really, like, didn't notice it before, which is cute. And Brie tell- or Britt tells the story that she went to the hospital thinking she was dying. And really, she just, like, had to fart because she had such bad indigestion. And Brittany got a, a bill for $15,000 from the hospital for it. <laughs> oh, so Lewis is calling Stella every day, sometimes twice a day. Bree's feeling really great about it. They go, Devoin brings Stella uh, Nova to Devoin's new apartment where he's living with his girlfriend. I thought this was kind of weird. They haven't been living there very long. Well, first they come in and the girlfriend is just like, Hi, Stella. Hi, Nova. I actually, the times we've seen the girlfriend, she seems really nice. I don't know if, like, she's just being weird on camera, but it was really, I, maybe they had already come in and, like, this was MTV recreating the scene. I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. She's being kind of weirdly cold to them. But then Devoin shows Nova the room that's going to be her room, except, like, a full office is set up in there. And I'm like, well, if he just moved in, like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't that be Nova's room from the jump? I don't know. I was, I was confused by his apartment and, like, what was going on there. Um, Nova asks for some sort of gecko, a crusted gecko, because they have a leopard gecko at Bree's house. And he was like, yeah, I'll get you a gecko if you get all A's. And she's like, well, I can't get all A's, A's and B's. And he said, okay, but you have to raise your D in math to an A and then you can get a crusted gecko. I thought that was nice. I thought it was a nice little, I think it's nice to see them like talking about the grades and being serious about school because I don't think we hear about the kids' schools very often. So Brie decides that she wants to have both Devoin and Lewis over at the same time for a dinner for reasons I don't, I don't know. I don't know why Brie plans these things. (laughs) To set herself up for disappointment, I guess. I really don't know. She goes, let's call Devoin. And I was like, "Mm." so you do know how to say his name correctly. And you could make an effort to say his name correctly. Okay. Okay. Uh, He invites, she invites Devoin over. She invites Lewis. He says he'll come. It's the day of the dinner. Devoin shows up and Lewis is over an hour late and not answering the phone. Which is just, you know, kind of classic. Um, that made me really sad. And then Stella's like, why isn't he here? And Bree's like, I promise he's coming. And I was like, well, why would you promise that? Like, you you can't ever promise that somebody else is coming somewhere. Like, you don't know. And that motherfucker's an hour late. So why, <laughs> why would you promise he's an hour late and not answering his phone? Oh, Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. <sighs> This is his pattern, right? He, like, says he's going to step up. He does for a hot minute, and then he disappears again. I don't know what's up with him. I just don't know how you can act that way when you have a child. Okay, everyone. That's it for this week's episode of Feathers in My Hair. Like I said, if you want to hear about Exo Jane, Vanderpump Rules, Johnny Depp being a fucking monster, go to patreon.com slash Explains, and I will talk to you all again next week. Bye! This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.